0: Business in the 217 here with your host, Trent R. Nelson. Good morning, and what a wonderful morning it is to discuss, drumroll please, business in the budget. And who are we joined with for that purpose? Well, you know him, I know him, uh, likely the community knows him as well. He is the president and CEO of the Springfield Segment Growth Alliance. His name is Ryan McCrady, and he will be joining us a couple times a month moving forward to discuss all of the practical innovations going on across uh, our wonderful capital city of
1: Springfield. How are you this morning, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, Excited to be here and excited to talk about what's going on. Well, we're excited
0: to have you and we're grateful that you're able to make it down because, of course, there is always a bevy to discuss. Last time we had you down here, we spoke a bit about Lake Springfield. We spoke a bit about uh, the city at the time. Uh, We spoke a bit about the legacy uh, point shields. Mm -hmm. It had just been, I believe, just been broken. The land, I should say, was broken. And that was a wonderful innovation. And we'll get Two, the updates concerning that, of course, in the time since, there's been at points a bit of hubbub uh, from the city of Springfield Council trying to ensure that the funds uh, are protected mm-hmm. moving forward, right?
1: Uh, we'll get to that. But the first thing, I think, with the new year upon us, Happy New Year. That's right. Happy New Year. 2023 was great. And so is 2024 going to be.
0: It was great. And and this is, uh, for our listeners who know, this is budget season. As much as it's tax season, it is budget season where people are putting their taxes in and they uh, the institutions of the community are putting their budgets out. What can you tell us, sir, about what the Springfield Segment Growth Alliance's budget looks like this year? And uh, what are some key points
1: that are being allocated for the SSGA to undertake this year? Sure. The budget of Springfield-Sangama Growth Alliance is about uh, $1.3 million on an annual basis. We are funded by generous contributions from both Sangama County and the city of Springfield, a number of other other, uh, local governmental bodies. But about uh, two-thirds of our funding comes from about 27 private organizations, businesses in town, that provide funding to us also. Our 27-member board is appointed by our voting members who are our contributors, uh, and they review the budget every year. Our budget is, what we try to benchmark our budget to make sure we're spending it on the right things. And so when we look at how much of it goes towards administration and feeding the administrative beast and how much of it goes to actually uh, gathering business, growing business and our, our programming, industry standards about a 35% for admin, 65% for the other um, and we're somewhere around twenty nine percent for admin, which is good. So we're that better is. better than that, better than the standard. We want we want to continue to strive to do that. We have a small staff four people. Um, but we do have an active year coming up in front of us. We have about uh, 15 different uh, travel points we'll go to to talk to site selection consultants to get out and sell the community. And uh, we spend a good bit of effort and funding towards also helping businesses that are here right now growing. Those businesses, keeping them here, what we call business retention expansion. We'll have a very active year on that once again. Uh, last year we met with over 100 businesses here in town and checked in with them, which is which is pretty good for three or four people. So we're excited about that. But our budget looks like it's ready to go. Nothing, nothing uh, controversial in that, just getting out and doing the work that we do. Absolutely. And it's
0: like we speak about mostly on the council roundup. There are many innovations which uh, we have to, of course, take note of, mm-hmm. but fixing sewers, right? right. These are really non negotiable points. Sure. These are, they should not be controversial. <laughs> Everyone needs right. proper functioning. And so, as I say, you know, boom, it's a check mark. Let's just keep it moving. But with that said, sir, with the uh, Springfield Segment Growth Alliance doing marvelous work in the community, which we, of course, thank you for. Thank you. Absolutely. You and your team are marvelous. Um, What can you tell us, sir, as uh, Mm. as a classically trained observer, right, Uh, intellectual (laughs) as it were, Um, what can you tell us about this city budget that we've been paying attention to? Our council roundup was uh, dedicated to that in its entirety for our last one. So we really got to uh, sink our teeth into something special. Uh, What are some of the uh, more interesting points that you've been able to ascertain?
1: Well, when we look at the city budget uh, right now from the lens of the Springfield Statement Growth Alliance, there's some items in there that I, that I think are very positive. Uh, a lot of talk about infrastructure. So whether that's sexy things like sanitary sewers and stormwater drainage or whether it's drinking water or improvements at the lake, um, upgrades to our electrical system, most people don't understand the importance of that reliable, affordable infrastructure in economic development. It's always measured when businesses are looking to come here, and it's always a factor in keeping business here. Uh, we have they have to know the utility supply is reliable. Uh, they have to know that it is affordable. Um, that is what they use to do their business every day. And so, investments in these things, I used to uh, commonly say, it's kind of like when you build a house. So my my dad built houses, and one time he built one for my mom and dad, and. You know, in the beginning, you dig this big hole and you're down below the surface doing all this work. And mom would show up and say, doesn't look like you guys did anything today. But the importance of that foundation work, the house was not going to be good unless the foundation was square and unless the foundation work was done right. And so all those things are foundation work. They have to be done, like your point. And I am excited to see the amount of focus and priority the city council is putting on those items they have some tough items to address. What do you do about rates? How do you pay for it? That's something that we'll, they'll have to go through. It's not free to take care of those things, but I can tell you from 25 years in local government administration that that preventative maintenance you do in that infrastructure, you get a lot more done for your dollar than if you're doing break-fix work. And so you want to do that preventative maintenance. As taxpayers, it's we don't like paying the rates, but it's actually going to be cheaper for us if we do this work up front.
0: Absolutely. And you heard it here first, folks. The sons of two contractors, of two builders, will tell you, very important (laughs) to make sure your foundation is sturdy. To your point about infrastructure, sir, infrastructure is one of those, as you also noted, sometimes sexy, sometimes not sexy constructs. But we pay for them all together. Our rate hikes, as we consider them properly, are perhaps the rates of which we're contributing to the collective good.
1: Exactly. It's a public health issue, having that good infrastructure, having good water supply. And I will say as Americans, we really take for granted the quality of the water system that we have here in our country. Um, most countries, I mean, you go a lot of places and only drink bottled water or only drink carbonated water, right? Because you know it's you yes. know it's, uh, it's been treated. Um, Americans, you can go to pretty much any city you go to and someone fills a glass up out of a tap, you're just going to assume it's safe. Right. And that's, that's a true blessing, uh, but it's a public health issue, and it is money has to be spent there. Also, my experience is that when you look at rate increases for infrastructure, they're usually demand-based increases, meaning the less you use, the less you pay. And so really the burden of paying for the infrastructure improvements falls on those creating the biggest demand on the infrastructure. Absolutely. And that does seem to be the most equitable or fair way to kind of pay for those things.
0: A brilliant point, sir. A brilliant point. Infrastructure is one of those deals where, and of course this intersects with uh, paying for it, Surely, but if we are not consistently looking to maintain or improve or develop our infrastructure, we're right. actually in so many ways uh, falling behind. Where, Because the nations and the states and the communities who have the best infrastructure are always looking at, okay, what is next? Right. What's the next thing that we can, as you noted, prevent from breaking bef- before? Hand. Mm-hmm. What can we save money on by, by using foresight? It's not always easy to explain, as you noted, as we heard sure. at the last city count. It's not always easy to explain why we need to raise uh, rates 32% this year and 32% the year after. But when we realize that one in every five water lines across the city has lead in it right there is no, there's really no discussion is there
1: well there yeah that has to be fixed because exposure to lead actually uh, is shown to, to have diminished effects on uh, learning capabilities and long-term health effects on on young people that are exposed to it so there's definitely an economic benefit to making sure that everybody has the mental capacity to be able to learn and contribute back to the economy uh, so th- so that's really important and you know, from a business perspective, so if we're talking about how do businesses view rate increases and adjustment to infrastructure, in talking to businesses as, and having you make tough decisions about rates over the years, uh, the businesses have always told me, you know, we're within some range okay with the price, whatever the price is, what we need certainty. And so if we knew every year you were going to raise the price one and a half or 2%, we're probably going to be okay with that because we can put into our long-term financial plan and know 20 years from now, what our water bill is going to be, what our sanitary sewer bill is going to be, what our electric bill is going to be. And so if, you know, uh, I believe the city has kept the rates flat for a long time, and we've all enjoyed that and reaped the benefits of that. But we've also ignored the fact that the cost of doing business has gone up all those years when the rates weren't being raised. And so we need to have a realistic look at, you know, how do we, how do we get a long-term rate model? And from a business perspective, that's what I would uh, suggest is that uh, you look at a long-term rate model, and then the business community knows what's going to be, and they can plan accordingly. Maybe they decide they want to invest in technology to use less water, or to reuse their water and put less into the sanitary sewer. That's that's a business decision they can make if they know what the rates are going to be.
0: Absolutely, flat rates are brilliant in the past, right? But we have to pay eventually. Right. We have to pay eventually and we would like that consistency. You know, I feel and this is not the only area uh, of this feeling, uh, but I feel like in some areas we we might be better off tying the the growth of certain uh, concepts uh, to the outside growth that Mm. it lives within. Right. So perhaps growth of. Let's say a minimum wage might simply just reflect the livable wage necessary for people Mm -hmm. as it continues to develop. Having to make these decisions sort of consciously, it allows or creates the opportunity or the circumstance for people to say, well, why do we need to make these developments? And as you just noted, sir, we're either making them now or we're making them later. Right. There is no we're not making them at all. Sure. <laughs> we have to make these things. Would it have been cheaper to fix the water lines 30 years ago? Perhaps. Mm-hmm. And and so this is something we have to consider. Are we saving money or are we just pushing the burden of the payments to future generations?
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: <sighs> but We will thank you for your wonderful explanation of the city's current circumstance. Of course, as you alluded to, uh, as I alluded to, there were a whole bunch of really positive developmental, how do we make water safer? How do we make Mm -hmm. electric cleaner? How do we clean up the ash ponds? How do we do all of these things? These are positive innovations, uh, and and we're glad to be in the city while they're being made, sir. Uh, Another discussion that we're going to get to after we take a quick commercial break is the Shields at Legacy Point. Yes. Uh, a little update concerning that and a little update concerning the railway consolidation sure. that continues to go on. We're going to get to that with the CEO and president of the Springfield Segment Growth Alliance, Ryan McCrady, When we come back from our commercial break, this is, of course, Business in the 217 with your host, Trent R. Nelson. We'll just catch you in a hot second. Business in the 217 here with your host, Trent R. Nelson. And of course, we are still joined, he has not left us, with the president and CEO of the Springfield Segment Growth Alliance. His name is Ryan McCrady. Earlier, we spoke concerning Springfield Segment Growth Alliance's upcoming budget, talking about the types of activities that they are getting into for the sake of our entire community, which of course we thank them for and thank them again for. We spoke about the city of Springfield's new budget. Talking a little bit about about rate plans, about how businesses appraise infrastructure and appraise expenditures, uh, really fascinating stuff. But sir, we have left budget land and we have entered. We've entered Legacy Point, actually. There what, we go. there we go. It's beautiful down there. Wonderful uh, restaurants. What can you tell us about Shields? We know from our other programs that <clears throat> that. There had been some discussion around the horseshoe about how to uh, ensure that the funds that the city is providing are protected. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, which is, of course, yeah. appreciated since, you know, it's ours. <laughs> um, what can you tell us about the update as it concerns the money, but also the update as it just concerns the development
1: of what's really going to be fantastic? Sure. It's it's really hard for me to... Um encapsulate everything that's going to happen there. The good news is there is a website, LegacyPoint.net, and that's point with an E, LegacyPointe.net. Very European, sir. That's right. That's right. Uh, Where you can see information about the sports complex, but also the entire development. Uh, There are site plans there that show you where things are going to go, variable parcels, all those items, contact information for the development team, those kind of things. So please also check that out. The development is moving forward on schedule as expected. Uh, the groundbreaking was in September of 23, a beautiful day, an exciting day in Springfield. And the excavating contractor got, got to work immediately the following week. Um, all of the surface level grading and compacting that needed to get done got done. It was pretty dry in the last quarter of the year. Um, and they were able to get all of their work done. As we move into winter, uh, there'll, be a, there'll be subsurface work done on things like storm drainage, sewer drainage, all those kind of things that you can do during the winter month below the surface. So everything there is still going as planned. Uh, they're looking to be able to host some events in late 24 with full-scale operations in, in the first quarter of 2025. And that includes the 190,000 square foot inflatable dome structure. That that would be one of the first things that you see go up at the sports complex. So, that's good news on the on the actual construction side of it. There have been some questions about the financing, and if you want, I can kind of f- walk through that. Um, sure, like yeah. as if I haven't already done it enough. Let's have yeah. a professional do it as well. <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, all development projects are are complex in the financing. Um, what everybody is seeing here is what I see a lot when I see private purely private projects go together. Right. You see it on the back
0: end sort of protected from the transparency that
1: exists in a public circumstance. That's right. So the the financial commitments from the banks have been delivered to the city. They have those. Uh, The development agreement between the developer and the city is very specific about check marks and benchmarks and things that have to happen. Here's the first thing everybody needs to know. The city funding to the development team is reimbursement based. So, the development team has to be financed. They have to be able to expend those monies, literally bring those receipts and statement of work to the city before they reimburse them for anything. So, it's not a situation where money's getting spent up front. Right. That's great. The city agreement has a number of additional votes that have to happen by the city council. Bonds have to be issued. That's going to require a vote in a public hearing. Some the city checks. Council. That's right. Escrow agreement. I think that was the last thing that went through. Yes. That's an extra protection for the city and the taxpayers to make sure. So there's some question as to why do they keep voting on this thing, and we've we've worked really hard and we'll continue to work hard to explain to the public that there are going to be a series of votes on this as it goes through the construction period. Those votes are in place for your safety. Those votes are in place to ensure. The city's making sure the developer's doing the work it's promised. And so those aren't signs that things are going wrong. Those are actually signs that things are going right. But it but it's, it's hard to completely understand that. So you will see more votes. Right now things are chugging along like expected. We're very excited. The phone is ringing about interest in other development out there. I believe in early 24 you're going to hear some news about some other developments being announced Ooh. at the site. Not just the sports complex, but other things that want to be there. Uh, so we're excited about that. So, yeah, things are moving along.
0: And that is absolutely brilliant. September was a wonderful month. We had our wonderful discussion in September as well. And uh, again, I loved the way that you just phrased that, right? Mm-hmm. Because so often we consider oh, another vote. I wonder what's wrong. I wonder right. if there's still right. discussion. I wonder if there are people opposed, right? But in reality, as you, as you noted, sir, we really should be considering this as, like, through my representatives, we continue collectively, right? But right. I continue to, in many ways, make these decisions, right. right? Through my representative, we continue to go through. All right. Boom. Done. Boom. Done. Boom. Done. We right. would not want it. And of course, we recognize this from our own professions, our own work. Yeah. We don't just get left alone forever to finish a project, <laughs> right? Somebody comes and they checks and they say, how you doing? Right? Yeah. And they may not be micro checking
1: on you, but they're going to at least macro check. They're going to say, do you need anything? I see them as guardrails on the side of the road, right? Right. You want to hit that guardrail before something more tragic happens, and that's that's what these that's what these monitoring steps are that you're going to see going through city council.
0: You might be mad hitting the guardrail, but you'll be a lot happier than being in the ditch. So, uh, wonderful analogy. And of yeah. course, speaking about these types of things, they help for our constituents, for our listeners, for anyone who is interested in sort of demystifying Mm -hmm. the government process. Right. Right. Much like economics, government is often positioned by some individuals as this very difficult to understand. And you need to be a professional to understand. And of course, it helps to have knowledge, right? But we can right. all acquire knowledge we don't have to be the mm-hmm. president and ceo of the springfield segment growth alliance although it helps we don't yeah. need to be that though to understand these constructs
1: no that, that's correct and we want people to understand them and i, I have to i, I have to remind myself and my wife reminds me frequently that not everybody spent 25 years doing these things and so when when the questions started to pop up about the additional votes by the city council related to the sports complex my you know, my first instinct is Oh, well, this is routine. I see this stuff all the time. But I'm the only one that's seen this. And so we're trying to be very deliberate to say, yes, there's going to be more votes. But that's a chance for the city council to make sure, right? Make sure we're running a belt and suspenders on this one, making sure the developer's doing what they're supposed to do. And so all the votes up to this point have been all things that were anticipated. But it generates a lot of questions, and I respect that. So we want the public to understand what, what it means.
0: We should be grateful that the public is asking so many questions because, as you noted, sir, it means that they're paying attention. It means that they're legitimately curious. They want to know more. They're not just saying apathetically, ah,
1: they'll take care of it when they take care of it. Everybody's excited about the project. That's what's generating all the interest in it. that's a good thing. We want folks to be excited about it.
0: Well, as we noted during our September discussion, as you more particularly noted, sir, there is a lot of buzz, not just from within the city, mm-hmm. but from within the greater community. There are a, a lot of opportunities for teams to come travel, for teams to come train, uh, for, of course, the economic perspective uh, to be accentuated, hotels, shopping, right? there. Sure. There's a lot that, uh, that one function – Creates as it uh, as it concerns what I often call the micro functions, right? right. You come to Shields because Johnny or Susie uh,
1: they're practicing here, but then we go get ice cream afterwards. Right. Oh yeah, there's tremendous opportunities. And uh, on the Thrive and SPI YouTube channel, we currently have three separate videos by local businesses who are investors in the sports complex, talking in great deal about why they invested in it. One is Henson Robinson Company, uh, the other is Horseman, and the third one is uh, Springfield Clinic. And I would encourage folks to watch those videos. They're only about a minute and a half long, but you really hear from their company leadership about why they invested in the sports complex, and that will give you some sense of what a big impact it's going to have in the community.
0: You heard it here first. Folks, there are some great videos on the Thriving SPI website. Uh, we will have... President and CEO of the Springfield Salmon Growth Alliance. Uh, We'll have him tag that in just a second before we let him go on the rest of his day but before we do uh, we would love a quick update as it concerns uh, the railroad consolidation sure uh, and other things of that nature we have seen over the last several uh, city councils uh, more more ordinances concerning that Mm. uh, some land annexation and and some other things what can you tell us sir
1: So the overall plan for the rail consolidation was expected to be completed in 2025. That was contingent on some significant federal funding that we also expected to receive uh, in the fall of 2023. That was recently announced that the federal government made a decision to spend that money on a different project. So that will delay the completion of the overall project, but it will not delay the completion of anything that's under construction right now. So, yes, the underpasses at Madison and Jefferson are currently closed, and that is an inconvenience. But that project was fully funded before that construction started. Right. So we want folks to know that that those things are still going to be open this summer, like they planned on to be open, uh, which is good news. The the funding that was slated for things that really had not really started construction-wise yet, they were not – they didn't even put the bids out until they were going to make sure they had the funding. Um, We believe – and we'll be working very hard with our local leaders to uh, get this f- these projects funded in the upcoming round that'll happen. So it could be a one to two year delay, but it won't be a situation where we, we don't ever get funding for it. Um, so it's, it's a speed bump, but it's not the end of the road for this project. It's going to be very important to complete the project. It's going to be a huge quality of life improvement for the community. It's going to be safer. Uh, you won't have the train whistles being blown all day going through town. There's going to be a lot of benefits. It'll also make rail traffic and rail commerce more efficient here, which will help us on the business attraction side, too.
0: You heard it here first, folks. There are many positive reasons why the Railroad Consolidation Project uh, is so vital to us, uh, why it is uh, so necessary uh, from a personal, from a professional, from an economic standpoint, we see many positive things. And we see them uh, thanks, in part, to our wonderful friend, the Springfield Sangman Growth Alliance president and CEO. His name is Ryan McCready. And we are so grateful to have him down speaking with us about, uh, well, the Springfield Sangman Growth Alliance own budget, the city's own budget, shields at Legacy Point, as well as the Railroad Consolidation Project, sir, Would you come back in a couple weeks and talk to us about how 2023 went and about uh, any of the other innovations
1: that we're sure will follow our discussion today? I would be excited to come back and stay in touch with you and your listeners. We appreciate Midwest Family Broadcasting has been a tremendous partner with the Growth Alliance since the beginning, helping us get our word out, helping us uh, communicate to our citizens and uh, it's a partnership, and we've enjoyed it, and we're looking forward to growing it through connection with you and your production here.
0: Well, we really appreciate those kind words, sir. Uh, what the Springfield Sandman Growth Alliance does uh, as, a, as a private entity is really special and really important. And, of course, the board that you all have constructed of the various businesses mm-hmm. that, uh, that really help the Growth Alliance function, it's a testament to what we can do when we stop thinking exclusively of ourselves and start thinking of us together.
1: That's right. Yeah, we have our board members are uh, amazing uh, leaders of their own organizations, but um, there have been a number of situations where the Growth Alliance had to get behind an initiative that maybe wasn't the best thing for any one of their individual businesses, but was the best thing for the community. And so for me to get to watch directly them set that aside and focus on what's best for the community is very inspiring. And that's what's made us successful, is that our our leadership has the community focus, that we're going to do what's right for for the community. And uh, so I'm really fortunate to get to work for a board like that.
0: That is very special, sir. And of course, um, we hear often uh, across different media sources, different outlets, we read uh, news that uh, is often troubling. Right, mm-hmm. about uh, our selfishness, about our self desired nature as humans. Uh, right. uh, so it's always very heartening and positive to hear uh, that our neighbors, those people that we deal with each and every day, that they do have all of us at sure. their hearts, as as I know that the Springfield Segment Growth Alliance does, as well as Midwest Family Broadcasting does. So. Right. Uh, sir Ryan McCready, Springfield Segment Growth Alliance President and CEO, we hope that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful weekend, and we look forward to catching up with
1: you real soon. Sounds great. Thank you very much for the time, Trent. I appreciate it. Pleasure is all ours, sir.
0: Business in the 217, here with your host, Trent R. Nelson. Care about your community, care about each other, and as will happen, others will care for you, too.